Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening that you are having a great start to your Tuesday. And it's another day in which we get to talk about a really fun night of Grizzlies basketball. Now, last night uh, was a bit of a heartache, you know, a bit frustrating, you know, when it comes to the Grizzlies play um, overall, especially late in the game. But there's not much to get mad about at, at the end of the day. You know, and, and the thing about it is this, is that the Grizzlies lost 139 to 137 in double overtime against one of the better teams in the league, against the MVP, the clear MVP this year so far, in my opinion, of the league. And they did it without two of the three biggest reasons as to why their offense has been playing so well. And so at the end of the day, yes, there's a bit of frustration that came from last night's game. We'll get into that in just a second. But overall, just another game in which there's still plenty of positive things to talk about, and that is what is that is a big reason why it's so much fun to watch this team right now. Um, in the first segment of today's show, we're going to talk about last night's game against the Denver Nuggets. Though, yes, the game did result in a loss. Plenty of positives to talk about. Plenty of big nights from unexpected sources. And we'll get into that in just a second. Second segment, I'm going to talk about how well this offense has played. I mentioned yesterday over the next few shows, we're going to talk about how good the Grizzlies offense has been playing. But this clearly, in my opinion, is the best stretch of offense that this franchise has ever experienced. And I'll give you a few reasons as to why I think that is in the second segment. In the third segment, continuing that theme, okay, so they're playing at an all-time high right now, I feel. And it's a big contrast from how they played in March. So if what they're doing right now is not sustainable, but they play better than they did in March offensively in terms of the Grizzlies. What does, you know, kind of a sustainable offense look like? And I'll say that he, and what I'll do in the third segment is give you an idea of what that could look like and why it still is beneficial for the Grizzlies, even if they regress a little bit from how well they're playing now. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC. You can find the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. My name's Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for on going on three years. Been a member of Grizzly Bear Blues. Check me out on the 3 and D podcast with the wonderful Ben Hogan over on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network today. Um, I've also been podcasting about the Grizzlies. Start off at 3 and D. Have been here now for over a year covering the Grizzlies. And once again, the reason why I love doing this show on a daily basis is because I get to have fun talking about a lot of these awesome experiences, whether it be Jaron coming back, Great offense for the Grizzlies, seeing the growth of this team, all those different things going on right now. It's times like this that I cherish being able to interact and talk with those who share the same passions that I do when it comes to the Grizzlies and the NBA. I want to remind you that this show is sponsored by Locker Room. Locker Room, the app that's changing the way we talk about sports. Don't forget, to this week we will get back on schedule with our weekly Grizzlies show on the Locker Room app. Let's talk Grizzness every Thursday night at 8. We'll have plenty of awesome things to talk about, obviously, coming up. But let's get into last night's game. So the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Back and forth for most of the game. You know, it started off in the first quarter, you know, where the where the Nuggets were, you know, and the Grizzlies were going back and forth. But the Grizzlies were able to take an early lead. And the big reason why was because of the return of DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton in the first half of last night's game, 19 points, five threes, one of the most productive 
halves of basketball our reserve has had since per half stats were started being tracked in the 96-97 season. And he continued that trend of productivity all night when it came to a reserve. But he was a big reason why this Grizzlies team was able to take a 63-59 lead into halftime. Well, then when it came to the third quarter, when it came to the third quarter, the Grizzlies were able to extend their lead to eight at the end of the third quarter. And they went through much of the fourth quarter with a lead of five, six, seven, eight points. No, no, Nikola Jokic had had a very good game. John Morant was starting to heat up a bit. He was having success himself, you know, being able to keep the Grizzlies ahead. But unfortunately, at the end of the game, the the unfamiliarity, inexperience that several of the late game players, you know, you had Xavier Tillman out there playing, DeAnthony Melton out there playing, you had a lineup out there that were unfamiliar with each other. They had not played with each other in a while and had played very little with each other, you know, in crunch time situations due to the fact that in most of those times, you've got Brandon Clark or, or Dylan Brooks or, or um, Jonas Valanciunas, but with Valanciunas and Brooks out and Brandon Clark just clearly not at 100%, I don't feel, at the moment, the group Grizzlies had to rely on players who have not usually seen time in the crunch time, and it showed last night. The Grizzlies' inability to get some consistency going on offense kind of left it up to Jaw to create the offense, and going against a good different Nuggets team, that's going to play into their favor. Despite how good Jaw is and how great he played last night, relying on him to create the offense kind of by himself without any type of direction or scheme or strategies, that's going to play into the Nuggets' hands, and it certainly did last night. The Grizzlies only scored two points in the final four minutes of the game, and that allowed for the Nuggets to be able to come back and tie the game, even though the Grizzlies had a chance late. One of the questionable things from last night that stood out to me was in the final, uh, it was on the final play, the Grizzlies had two timeouts left, but no timeout was called. It kind of set up a more, you know, structured or directed scheme that could have led to a potential better shot opportunity. Instead, John Morant just said he, he was able to find an open Grayson Allen, but he shot a contested three that just did not go in. Well, as we went into overtime, Jaw took over. I believe nine points in the first overtime. Got the Grizzlies off to a big lead again. But once again, led by Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets came back. Jaw had the opportunity once again at the end of the first overtime to be able to win the game. But again, it was mainly him taking his guy one-on-one. Denver noticed that. They crowded him. They let It led to him taking a, you know, not an ill-advised shot, but probably not as high a percentage shot as he would like, and though he almost made a spectacular play putting his own putback in to win the game, it was not there. And then unfortunately in the second overtime, I'll just be honest, I think the Grizzlies just lineup was gassed by that time. Nikola Jokic took over at the end of the day, Nikola Jokic wound up with 47 points. He made a big he made a big two to put the Grizzlies to put the Nuggets ahead, made a big three to put them ahead for good. He wound up with 47 points, 15 assists and uh, or 15 rebounds and eight assists on the night. The Grizzlies despite the fact that they I think, you know, missed some opportunities, they still played without several of their best players. They still played well enough to win this game and they made the MVP of the league produce one of his best resume points, put put one of his best resumes out there as to why he should be MVP of the league. They made him perform as the NBA MVP for the Nuggets to win this game. So overall, yes, I, I do think there were some questionable decisions and missed opportunities by Taylor Jenkins, and I do think that the offense struggled more than it you know should have down the stretch. But, you know, it, it, this is the 11th time in 11 games in April so far 
this month that the Grizzlies have clearly been in it. This Grizzlies team, if they if, if a few more free throws would have fallen and another shot would have fallen in this game, we're talking about this Grizzlies team being ten and one. The only game where we really have legitimately lost, I felt, was against the Pacers earlier this month. But let's not you know go without highlighting a few of the individual performances. Xavier Tillman, forty one minutes last night, thirteen higher than his previous career high of twenty eight, eighteen points, fourteen rebounds, two steals. He's only the second rookie in Grizzlies franchise history to have at least 18 points, at least 14 rebounds, and multiple steals in the game, joining, joining Sharif Abdurrahim. No rookie has put up the point and rebound combination that Xavier Tillman put up last night since O.J. Mayo and Mark Gasol did it back in the 2008-2009 season. We go to John ja Morant. John ja Morant, 36 assists, or 36 points, 11 assists. He becomes the first Grizzlies player in franchise history to have three 30-plus point 10-plus assist games in his career as a Grizzly. And he's only been he's only played 115 games. Mike Conley didn't do it. Jason Williams didn't do it. No one else has done that. Three career 30-plus point, 10-plus assist games. Another validation that Morant truly is a talent that we have not seen before in franchise history. He also joins Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook as the only active players who have had three or more 30-plus point, 10-plus assist games before the age of 21. That's how good of company John Morant is keeping right now in terms of what he's doing. And of course, going back to what he did in March, this is now the fifth time over the past six weeks he's elevated his game to score 30 or more points. Yes, the Grizzlies are 1-4, and four, and it adds validation to the point that Ja having to take over may not be that positive of a thing because it usually means the Grizzlies' offense as a whole is struggling. That is true, but he certainly did show his ability to take over the offense for the Grizzlies when it's needed to be done. You know, if if the situation calls for it. But the biggest revelation to me last night was DeAnthony Melton. After missing eight games, eight games due to injury, due to knee soreness, DeAnthony Melton comes back. Six threes, including five in the first half. He had 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists, four steals, and, and six threes in tonight's game. That's only been done... A handful of times in NBA history. And the Anthony Melton, the only other person who have done it are names such as LeBron James, Luka Doncic, James Harden, and others. And the thing about it is this, is that this arguably was one of the most productive nights an NBA reserve, a player who did not start the game. This arguably was one of the most productive nights that an NBA reserve has had in NBA history. The stat line of 25 points, 6 assists, 8 rebounds, 6 threes, and 4 steals. DeAnthony Melton is the only reserve ever to have at least those thresholds in a game as a reserve in NBA history. And he's the only player under the age of 23, along with Luka Doncic, who's achieved that type of stat line. We talk about him being Mr. Do-Something, but we've talked more about his shooting stroke, and rightly so, this season. The fact that DeAnthony Melton was able to do both of those things in a big moment in a night when it was needed against a good team, that's another sign of growth in his game. And it's why I feel that he clearly is becoming one of the more improved players in the league. He's clearly becoming one of the bench, bench assets in the league. And he clearly, in my opinion, is becoming one of the best contracts in the league. So adding him back to the mix 
is certainly a, a definite good development for this Grizzlies team. But the thing is, is that we've got DeAnthony Melton back. We're getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back. But even without those significant talents in the Grizzlies rotations being available, this Grizzlies team has still, in my opinion, produced the best stretch of offense we've seen from them in franchise history. Coming up, I'll discuss just why this stretch of offense has been so fun to watch. It's been so historic in terms of the franchise and why it's a big positive when it comes to this Grizzlies' ability to win in the present and the future. You're someone that's consistently searching for ways to, you know, make your experience as a sports fan more fun, more enjoyable. Expand it to new horizons that you've not been able to before. Well, I've got a way that you can do that, and that is via the Locker Room app. Changing the way that we talk about sports is a social audio, social media setup in which you as a sports fan can interact with other sports fans from around the world, whether it's about the Grizzlies, whether it's about the football or baseball teams that you love, whether it's about the sports that you love in general, maybe you want to learn about new sports. Maybe you want the opportunity to learn about how different cultures view sports, however, whatever perspective you want to expand your fandom in, the Locker Room app offers that. It even is a great opportunity for you to be able to, you know, expand your career or start a potential career as a content creator. Several of the guests that I've had on this show myself and several of the folks that I have met have allowed for me to network as a content creator over the past several months. And an even better thing is, is that it allows you for you the opportunity to be able to talk to different sports personalities, some that you have loved for your entire life. I've personally been able to speak to Nate Duncan, John Hollinger, Mark Stein, and many more about several topics regarding the Grizzlies and sports in general. It's an overall way for you to be able to expand your ability to enjoy sports. All you got to do is go to the locker room or to the app store. It's only available for iOS systems right now. That should expand in the future. But go to the app store, download the locker room app for free, set up your profile, and head to the chat rooms to be able to talk with any and everybody that you would like to. And don't forget, Thursday nights at 8, our weekly Let's Talk Grizzness show via the Locker Room app in association with Locked On Grizzlies. We'll be there this week to discuss plenty of the many things that are going on with the Grizzlies right now. But don't forget to download the Locker Room app in general and make your experience as a fan even better by changing the way we talk about sports. Obviously, the spring is here. Me and my wife just got back from vacation. And before we did that, we made sure that our car was in good working order. Where if you're someone that's going to be out and about more than usual this spring, you may want to make sure that there's no parts that are needed. But if you do need parts for your auto, rockauto.com is a great place for you to go for a variety of reasons. For one, it's going to be able to have what you need. And within a few clicks of the button, you'll be able to find the make and model of the car that you have and the part that you need at rockauto.com. Whether you're someone like me who has to get others to do repairs, you do your own repairs or you do repairs for others yourself, rockauto.com is very economic economically feasible. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know car parts typically fall outside of budget, so they try to keep things as economically friendly as possible. If you go to rockauto.com today, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sends you rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more information about our live NFL draft coverage. We want to remind you that Grizzly Bear Blues site manager Joel Molinex, fresh off, 
um, finishing up his football season. What's been a weird season for everybody when it comes to sports with all that's been going on over the past 15 months. He will be back with us once again for tomorrow's episode. We'll have plenty to talk about. The Grizzlies' great offensive run that they played, what the return of Jaron means, how the rotation may look, and plenty of other things as we get into the playoff stretch with the Memphis Grizzlies. Joe Molinax will be with you, will be with us on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But speaking of the offense, you know, when I say that this Grizzlies offense is on a historical run, you know, that can mean a variety of things. But what makes this run, this specific type of offensive run for the Grizzlies, so fun and so relevant, in my opinion, is the areas of the offense in which they are making history, in which they are consistently performing at levels that they've not done before. And that specifically is in the area of points, assists, and three-point shooting. It's, it's, it's basically where these this stretch of offense is the clearest indication, in my opinion, the best example of just how much Coach Taylor Jenkins and the franchise itself has changed its philosophy, how it's now shown that it's not caught up with the NBA. I don't think that this Grizzlies offense is in any way, shape, or form the best offense in the NBA right now, despite the fact they have the best off rating, offensive rating in the NBA for the month of April. That's not the point that I'm getting at. But when I say that this Grizzlies, that the philosophy of the Grizzlies franchise has truly changed going forward, I feel that this time that we're seeing right now, this stretch of basketball is what is indicating that. To show that this Grizzlies offense has the true capability and confidence to play on an offensive level with anybody in the league and have a chance to win. Let's look at some of the numbers. You know, the Grizzlies, previously, the Grizzlies' best offensive month in terms of points was back in January of 2020. It was when the Grizzlies, you know, that was back, you know, at the first month of last calendar year, the month where Taylor Jenkins won Western Conference Coach of the Year. It led to Dylan Brooks's extension with the Grizzlies. It's really where Jaw kind of and Brandon Clark kind of established themselves as two of the top rookies in the league. It was a great stretch run for the Grizzlies. They averaged 119 points during the month of January, which led the NBA. Well, just to show how spectacular this run has been this month, the Grizzlies are actually averaging 122.7 points this month, that's f- almost four complete points per game more than the previous franchise high for a month in franchise history. That's how well this Grizzlies team has been playing. And a big reason why they've been doing it is because they've been doing so much better from three, which we'll get into in a second. But the Grizzlies this month now, they have scored 100 points in every game that they played. They've scored 120 or more points in eight of their 11 games. And in seven of their 11 games, or excuse me, in six of their um, 11 games, they have scored 125 or more points. Now, when it comes to the Grizzlies' ability to score 125 points, that is rare in franchise history. Coming into the month of April, the Grizzlies had played 2,038 games in the history of their franchise. In those 2,038 games, the Grizzlies scored 125 or more points 45 total times. That was a rate of about one time every 51 games. In the month of April, they've scored 125 or more points six times in 11 games. Another way of putting that is, is that when you look at how many times the Grizzlies have scored 125 or more points in franchise history, in in, 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 a, in a stretch of games that's about 2,050 total games, 
of the total amount of times that the Grizzlies have scored 125 or more points have happened this month. That's incredible for a team that's been around for more than 25 years. That just shows how rare, just, just how unprecedented the Grizzlies' ability to score at, on a frequent basis and an elite level on a frequent basis. That's how unprecedented this stretch of run has been for the Grizzlies in April. And the thing about it, the reason why it's so important is because of the fact that when the Grizzlies score 125 or more points under Tao Jenkins, they are 19-4. and four. That, again, is the reason. That's, that's another added caveat to why this run has been so historic and so relevant. It's because in the areas where the Grizzlies are making history in terms of their offensive production, those areas, this level of production in those areas, highly correlates with the Grizzlies' ability to win. 125 or more points under Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies are 19-4, and four, and that's why it's so nice to see that they are scoring at that rate on a consistent basis, and the record backs it up, and the fact that the Grizzlies can easily be 10-1 this month, had a few free throws fallen, and they were able to hit one or two more shots in last night's game. Now, I'm in a little bit more familiar area where the Grizzlies have had elite success under Taylor Jenkins is in the form of assists. The Grizzlies were second in the league last year in assists. They're third in the league this year in assists. But in the month of April, they're averaging 29.7 assists. They're nearly averaging 30 assists per game in the month of April. They have actually produced 30 or more assists seven times this month, and that set a franchise record for the amount of times that they have uh, achieved 30 or more assists in a game, in a month. They've done it seven times this month. Previously, they did it 30, or they did it six times in, back in January of 2020. So they've set a new franchise high for the amount of games in a single month that they've had 30 or more assists, and we're only two-thirds of the way through the month. But once again, the Grizzlies' ability to get these 30 assists, while it's shown that it has a bit better consistency getting 30 plus assists than it does 125 or more points, the 30 plus assists still highly correlate with winning. The Grizzlies under Taylor Jenkins now are 32 and 8 when they have 30 or more assists and they've had 30 or more assists in 40 games under Taylor Jenkins. They're 32 and 8 when they do that, including 25 and 4 since the calendar turned to 2020 last year. That's how important, when Coach Jenkins talks in the media sessions before and after games about the importance of passing the ball, the number one thing he looks at after games is assists. And when he says we've got 30 or more assists, it typically is following a win, and the record certainly indicates that. So getting those 30-plus assists is really what indicates to Coach Jenkins that our offense is playing at a premium level, and the record backs that up. But perhaps the most important aspect of what's made the Grizzlies offense so historic as of late is their ability to shoot threes, specifically making 15 or more threes in a game. The Grizzlies right now are fifth in the league in terms of three-pointers made per game and third in the league in terms of three-point field goal percentage. They're averaging 14.5 threes per game in April, and that includes seven of their 11 games in which they made 15 or more threes. Like scoring 125 or more points, that was a rare occurrence for the Grizzlies before this month. Before the month of April started in 2021, the Grizzlies had only 35 games in their franchise history in which they made 15 or more threes. In the month of April, they've had 7 of 11 games in which they made 15 or more threes. That's how incredible that they've been shooting the three. And the thing about it is this, is that that means that one-sixth 
of the total games in franchise history in which the Grizzlies have hit 15 or more threes have happened over their last 11 games. That's how much we've struggled in the past shooting the three. That highlights that, but it also highlights how significant of strides we've made now in terms of adding shooters to our roster and adding schemes and strategies that emphasize the three in the right way. It's finally starting to click in terms of our consistency to be able to hit threes at an advantageous rate. The thing about it is this is that we have also, like in assists, we've also set the franchise record for the most games in which we've hit 15 or more threes in a single month. And just like hitting 125 or more points, just like hitting 30 or more assists, the Grizzlies are now 17 and 4 in the 21 games under Taylor Jenkins in which they've hit 15 or more threes. So that's, again, why these numbers stand out so much. They stand out so much because not only are the Grizzlies hitting thresholds, on a, much, on a more frequent basis than they ever have before, but they're hitting thresholds that really, really significantly improve their chances to win. As a matter of fact, this is now, the Grizzlies have now 12 times and 9 times under Taylor Jenkins in franchise history. They have only hit, there have only been 12 times in franchise history in which the Grizzlies have hit 125 or more points, 30 or more assists, and 15 or more threes in the same game. Nine of those times have happened under Taylor Jenkins. The Grizzlies are now 11-1 in those games, and the only game that they lost when they hit 125 or more points, 30 or more assists, and 15 or more threes in the same game, the only time that they lost was last night. And it took the MVP of the league having one of his three best games of an MVP campaign to prevent them from doing that. That's how critical, or not necessarily critical, that is how certain a victory is when the Grizzlies are able to hit those thresholds consistently and why it's been so fun to watch. When the Grizzlies are playing at the level that they're playing right now, they have the chance, they have a good chance to be anybody in the league. And that's why I feel this is the best brand of Grizzlies basketball that we have seen under Taylor Jenkins. But to be realistic, I find it hard to believe that this is going to be sustainable for the Grizzlies long-term. I don't feel after, you know, performing as the 20th best team in the league in March, we all of a sudden overnight, once the calendar turned to April, became the best offense in the league. But if this is not sustainable, if we're not necessarily going to play as well as we're playing right now long-term, but we likely will play better than we did in March, what does a sustainable level of offense look like and how well does it correlate to winning? Coming up, I'll give you an idea of a few stats that could be you know, reasonable for the Grizzlies to average going forward as they continue to progress and how well that correlates with winning under Taylor Jenkins. If wagering and betting is part of your enjoyment as a fan of sports, I can tell you this. If you're someone that's consistently been betting on the over for Grizzlies games, I would say that you're probably on a good stretch of luck when it comes to your betting and wagering. But the thing about it is this, is that regardless of the sports that you love or the athletes that you follow, I've got a great place that has you covered for all your waging and betting needs, and that's betonline.ag. Betonline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, along with baseball, UFC, golf. No matter the sport that you care to bet on, it's out there right now, and BetOnline.ag has you covered. It's even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time odds and props on 
almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. This week, April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldringer, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that you listen to that, that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. So I think it's fair to say that the Grizzlies, when it comes to their performance in March and their performance in April when it comes to their offense, I could certainly say that I think it's fair to assume the Grizzlies are not as bad as they were in March, and they're not as good as they have shown to be in April long term. I don't think they're an offense that's going to average over 120 points and nearly 15 threes a game going forward. I, I, I just think that as we play better teams and as we get our roster back, that's going to be hard to expect. But so if the offense that we're showing in April is logically not sustainable, but we feel that we're better than we are in March, what is kind of a guideline? What What is a statistical idea of what a sustainable offensive measure on a nightly basis would be for this Grizzlies team? Now, common sense may suggest for the Grizzlies looking at what they've done in April versus what they've done in March. So they average, they've averaged 122.7 points per game so far in April. They averaged 112.5 in March. When it comes to shooting the three, they've they average have averaged 14.5 threes per game in April and 9.5 threes in March. Night and day differences. If you put those two together. That would mean that the Grizzlies, if you find a midpoint for those two statistical data points, you're looking at 117 game points per game for the Grizzlies and 12 threes or yes, 12.5 threes per game for Memphis. The thing about it is, is that that steal makes Memphis a top seven or eight offense in the league. And I'm not trying to sell Memphis short. I just don't think that as of right now, they're going to be able to keep that up consistently. But the thing about it is this. Even if we get a bit more conservative, I still think that if the Grizzlies can at least maintain the season averages that they have as of right now offensively, to combine what they've done defensively, they still will significantly improve their chances to win from how they played in March, even though they're not playing like they did in April. So as I mentioned, if we find the midpoint of what the Grizzlies offense did in April and what they've done in March, you're looking at 117 points per game and about 12 and a half threes per game. Let's dial that down. Let's get a bit more conservative and look at what the Grizzlies are doing right now in terms of their season average. Overall right now, the Grizzlies are averaging 113.8 points per game and 11.2 threes per game. That is certainly better than what they did in March. It is a significant regression from what they're doing in April. But here's the big key. It is certainly a significant upgrade from what the Grizzlies did last year. And as I mentioned going into this season, the biggest area of improvements that this Grizzlies team needed to commit to was shooting the three and defending the three. So I looked at what the Grizzlies could do 
how the Grizzlies might be able to succeed if they were to significantly regress from their offensive output in April, but still be better than they were in March. And a good statistical line is what both of those months have now brought their season averages to. The Grizzlies, if they were to score 114 points per game, make 11 threes, and combine that with the ability to limit their opposition to less than 40% from three, the results are very, very encouraging. The key is, is that the defensive part of it, the Grizzlies regularly do. In 127 career games that Coach Jenkins has coached, the Grizzlies have held their opponents to less than 40% from three in nearly two-thirds of those games, 80 games out of 127. The key for the Grizzlies is doing what they need to do to consistently score 114 or more points and make 11 or more threes. They've done that 32 times under Taylor Jenkins. So if the Grizzlies were able to do that, or excuse me, they've done it, they've done it nearly 40 times under Taylor Jenkins. So if the Grizzlies offense can now confidently say that they can score around 114 points a game and make 11 or more threes, plus consistently keep their ability to limit their opposition from shooting better than 40% from three, that still puts the Grizzlies in a significantly good place to win. Proof? Under Taylor Jenkins, when the Grizzlies have, may have scored 114 or more points, when they have made 11 more or more threes per game, and when they have limited their opponents to under 40% shooting, they've done that 32 times under Taylor Jenkins. This Grizzlies team is 27-5, and five, including now 6-1 and one in April, and it took the MVP last night going off to be able to prevent it from being 7-0. So the key is, is that you're asking this Grizzlies defense to do what it's done consistently under Taylor Jenkins. You're simply asking the offense not to be as successful as they are in April, but to simply meet a threshold that they've shown they now can consistently do. And with the addition of Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Justice Winslow back into the fold, it should become even easier to do that. I know that this is a pretty simple way of doing things. It gets a lot more complicated, obviously, based on what you see each night. But I do think that it is reasonable to expect 11 or more threes, 114 or more points, and for the Grizzlies' defense to hold their opposition to, 40%, to, to less than 40% shooting from three on any given night. If the Grizzlies can frequently do that, a 27-5 record in the 32 times they've already done it under Taylor Jenkins is highly encouraging for their future if they can comfortably meet those thresholds going forward. So it's certainly been fun to see how this offense has been playing. Don't know if it's going to continue, but even if it significantly regresses, if the Grizzlies can at least be better than they were in March and show an increased ability to shoot the three as well as limit the three-point shooting of their opposition, I really do think that it's going to lead to good continued things for this Grizzlies team, and they may be able to win at a better clip than many expect for the rest of this year going into next year. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Tomorrow, Grizzly Bear Blues site manager Joe Molinax will be with us. We'll talk about all things going on with the Grizzlies. Of course, my name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SAC. You can find the podcast at Locked on Grizz. You can find the, the, the um, podcast itself on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.